This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is Soldier T, a veteran of numerous tours with the British Army who has suffered with severe PTSD for the past two decades. In a very open and frank conversation, Soldier T told me about his life in the military, the horrors of war, the impact it all had on his mental health and his inspirational recovery. He also shares shocking facts and strong opinions about the way in which soldiers with PTSD are treated by the British government. He's asked to remain anonymous out of respect to his colleagues and the Official Secrets Act. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Soldier T, welcome to The Reset. Hello, Sam. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, tell me a bit about how, uh, why and when you joined the military. Uh, I joined the military really as my it's, generations of my family have served for king or queen and country. And uh, I just felt it was the right thing to do. So was that, uh, was it, was it out of patriotism or just like family tradition, bit of both? How did you um, feel about it? I'd say in the end it was out of patriotism, but that patriotism was bred into me. Right. The family, you yeah. know. Uh, my dad served for 30-odd years. I was brought up, more or less, as a, a junior, uh, an infant soldier, a junior soldier, and, you know, uh, then I'd, I felt I had no option, really, because... I didn't like the life in Civvy Street. Right. I knew it was sort of like, uh, I was more guided in the military mm. in life. Um, how old were you when you joined then? Uh, I, I, believe it or not, I joined the Navy first. Right. I was uh, 16. I, I passed the basics 
uh, uh, I was this, the, um, what I can't remember here, the, the best one, the best trainee mm. of that intake. And I went on and I carried on for four years. Then I came out and uh, I just couldn't stand um, not having the sculpture, I think is the right word. Mm. And uh, I needed the discipline as well. So, because I started uh, breaking the law mm. and because um, I, 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 I felt like I was set free from any restraints uh, wrongly and I needed them restraints. I admitted I needed restraints. Yeah, yeah. So what was it part of it? Did you think, oh, well, it's like, it's either the military or prison? Because if I stay out on Civil Street, I'll just get end up in prison. I certainly did, yeah. I did end up in prison. Right. I just did what they call bed and breakfast. I did three months uh, uh, through football. Yeah. Uh, when I came out then, that, that was it. I had to, I was going to go one or of two ways, a lifer yeah. or in the military and, and make it my life in the military. I needed that discipline. I needed it. And I um, presume that's good for your mental health, the structure, yeah. the fact that, you you know, you know exactly what you're doing when you're doing it. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of stuff is, t- a lot of responsibility in a way is taking off of you as I understand. And, and yeah. so like, that must be quite good when you're young for your mental health because yeah. you've got less worries. Is that right? Well, I didn't know what a bloody gas bill was, electricity yeah. bill. Uh, what do you mean dinner rent at um, 1300 Dinner's always yeah. at 1300 you know, yeah. stuff like that. Everything was regimented and uh, it's fant- it's brilliant, you know. Mm. I-, I can remember, oh, now then, I think it was 50p, might even less than that, for a, a can of beer, you know. Then when I came home on leaving and think, were you a pound? Shocking, <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> It's just how life was. I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved that life. What was the turning point when it started? You started to have negative effects. Was that when you had to actually go and get involved in, in, in active conflicts? Uh, not at the beginning. I didn't mind that. Uh, I witnessed, uh, while serving in Bosnia, I witnessed a, I witnessed a, an awful, awful, awful war crime. Hmm. Um, and the people who committed the war crime then put their hands on me and right. I, I literally fought uh not with not with gun weapons but f- i fought for my life you know and to get away that, that's I'd, I'd, i wouldn't like to say any more about that but uh um i certainly would have been killed if i didn't <laughs> this is a this is quite crazy if i didn't have the experience of being a good fighter on the on the terraces might i might not have made it back wow <laughs> that's terrible to say but that's yeah. how I feel, maybe, maybe. I fought for my life. And you got away with your life. Yeah, yeah. So what was the impact of that then? Uh, um, at, at the beginning, um, I, I kept um, thinking what in my, you know, what, the, them fuse, in them days you could, I could fall asleep, you know, like that, no worries in my head. I said, didn't have to worry about anything, really. It was all done for us. But I started having a longer and longer space before going to put my head on the pillow and falling asleep. And it was full of what ifs. Mm. What if I hadn't have made it? So it was all personal at the beginning. And then nightmares started, and I was reliving the actual incident of the, I don't want to say it, of 
the war the war crime the, uh, and the victim of the war crime especially and um to this day it's i don't I, I don't like talking about it to this day it is so it, it was life changing for the victim uh and for the witnesses and even i'd say for the perpetrators as well because they became killers you know I'd, mm. you know not just killers but uh war criminals mm. that moment i've got no sympathy for them you know i would i would shoot them you know i would definitely i'd stand here now and still shoot them and uh uh, it's just, it, it changed everybody's life. To me, how I feel it, I don't know if anyone's ever had a smack on the side of the head and you, and and it's like almost knocked you out. And I can see blue lights flashing and taste, funny taste in my mouth. That's how that incident hit me. Uh, it, it just, it's still there, still there. It's just a shocking, I've never, I've never seen any, how anyone can do that sort of thing. And um, so, so I was reliving it and it was becoming less about me and more about the incident. And uh, I was in Bosnia, I think for seven months. And when I come home, my, my, my girlfriend had uh, uh, a surprise wedding lined up for us, mm. which I didn't want to get married because I knew there was something wrong. I didn't know it was, combat related PTSD I just thought I was having a bad patch you know mm. and uh, anyway after about a month she, she, she screamed at me some quite good words uh, if I may swear it. she said you're not the same bloke who fucking went away you know mm. and how, how right she was but she didn't know that none of us knew it uh, that, uh, except that I was having beds I did get married Mm. Uh, I was having beds, like I'd pissed the bed, uh, sweats, screaming, uh, uh, punching myself. I cut my eyebrow, hearing things, uh, especially birds, believe it or not. Like if it was in the summer and the window was open, I could hear birds and it would be people talking to me, you know. Mm. And uh, then I knew there was something wrong. But I it's the macho thing. And I was supposed to be, I was quite a good soldier. You know, I was considered a exemplary soldier, you know, and, um, I couldn't be show a sign of weakness. Mm. <clears throat> when we'd returned from Bosnia, we, we landed at the air, airfield, uh, military airfield. And, uh, everyone just wanted to get away, go home. We'd been away for months on end and they just shouted to us. There's a door to your left. And if anyone's got anything they want to talk about, what they've seen, just go through there. Well, that was like, you, no one went through there. You couldn't yeah. go through there. We're supposed to be rock hard. You wanted to go and see your missus. You want to get your leg over. You want to go and see your kids. Yeah. No one would go through there. They should have done it before we got home. Said, look, if anyone's got any problems, come and see the MO and we'll make, make you an appointment after we get back. So I carried on serving anyway, and uh, by then I was going nuts. I knew I was going nuts and uh, still wouldn't say anything. And it, uh, about November, the, well, it was November time, I was on guard. I was on a, because I was the only one live arm trained at the time, I was wandering around on my own. 
along this fence line and uh, two little two little lads uh, threw a firework over the fence. Oh, oh. I'd I'd hit the ground, cock the weapon, and have the weapon at aim with the safety catch off, pointing at one of these little lads. Wow. And that lad will never know how lucky he, he was. He was less than a quarter of an inch away from death if I'd have pulled my finger. I wouldn't have missed, put it that way either, you know, and uh, I knew then there was something wrong, seriously wrong. I had to do something. Uh, so I decided to kill myself. I couldn't, I didn't want to admit anything was wrong. So I even did that regimental as well. Uh, I got the car cleaned, um, went to work, drove off down some country lane in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I go into DTR, I took a massive overdose. When I worked with recruits, I used to let them know, you know, how many tablets are safe and all that. So I just, I trebled everything, you know, what, what it should, what you, you know, what I could have done and sat there for 12 hours in agony. And I thought, surely to flipping out, I should be unconscious by now. So, uh, I thought, well, something's wrong here. So I got, I drove the car, semi-conscious, got to, didn't have a mobile phone, got to a phone box and phoned the Samaritans, and I said, this is quite humorous, actually, I said, uh, my friend has taken some, <laughs> she said, get yourself to an emergency at the hospital now. I said, no, it's not me. Honestly, it's not me. So <laughs> <laughs> then Shane came. The Shane came. I drove to the hospital and I, this is terrible. This is how you think your life is then. I, I walked up to the lady at the thing in the hospital at the desk and I said, I've taken an overdose. Um, I'm really embarrassed. She said, what? You've taken an overdose? I thought, oh, flipping heck. The old, the old waiting room knew. Yeah. But anyway, I, I vomited. And uh, th th this, that was about 13 hours after I'd taken all these tablets. I was in agony. And um, I, st I had to stay in hospital for a couple of days. And uh, I thought, I can't even do that right. But luckily for me, I'd been bullied. Right. by uh, Not physically bullied, no way. But by a, a senior officer, a senior uh, rank mm. who, uh, who was a bit jealous because I had I got a commendation for bravery right. so I was there and he had nothing you know he was he was just a bully and um, so I hid behind that uh, they said well why did you do that oh, I can't, can't take the bullying you know mm. so, so you felt it on. was less shameful yeah. in your mind to say well I'm being bullied than it was to admit that it was something that you saw I'm, when you yeah. when you were actually serving yeah and saying I need help yeah yeah yeah. Oh, people come to me to, to, for help. I was the big bloke. I was massive. I was like, you know, I was a, yeah. I was a character. I was a big figure. You know, in Bosnia, I, I was, you know, the snipers there. Ah, they're shit shots. Don't worry about them. And yeah. People used to come to me sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Come to see me and hid behind me or felt safe with me. I was, they were safe if they was with me. I wouldn't let them down, you know. And then so I couldn't admit that. I couldn't admit. I saw something horrible. So I carried on serving. The nightmares were getting worse. And uh, just, I got, 
a divorce, you know. My missus didn't want to be with me. I don't blame her. I wouldn't have wanted to be with me. My daughter, uh, I, was an, I was evil. That the, the parts of PTSD, what, you know, everyone thinks all of the reliving it and, you know, having nightmares, but it's the anger mm. that, 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 that you want to be alone. I just wanted to be alone. I was shit scared of going out down the street. I couldn't take the daughter to the shop. You know, uh, 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 I was six foot two and I was 17 and a half stone. I was muscle, you know, mm. I, I, I wasn't fat. I was 17 and a half stone and I dared and go in a chip shop. If there was two 12 year old kids in that chip shop, I wouldn't go in. I was too scared. It was just this, don't think, people don't realise it's about PTSD. There's, you're terrified of going public sometimes, you know. Yeah. house, I lived on my own by then. My house was a prison because I was stuck in there. But it also became a sanctuary because no one could get to me. I bought extra blinds, double thickness blinds, and pulled the curtains. I never used to switch the light on. Uh, I used to go outside and make sure no light was escaping if I was watching the telly. I wouldn't answer the phone. I wouldn't answer the door. Nothing. But other times I'd be crying out. I'd get angry. Why haven't you phoned me? Or why haven't you visited me? Or, you know, it's, a, it, it's extremes, PTSD. And you don't, everyone thinks it's just these horrible dreams. It's a lot more than that. Uh, uh, when, when was all this happening? Is this, this was all taking place in the 90s. Uh, this is now, by now, it was the yeah, end of the 90s. Yeah, end of the 90s. So, so in, in terms of the world we lived in back then, even terms like PTSD weren't known to most people, let alone understanding what it meant. So yeah. it's a very different world, not just in the military, but even in Civvy Street. Exactly. It, We're opening up about mental health, especially for men, especially for working class sort of tough men. It was yeah. almost impossible back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Sam, this is a true story. I didn't know till years later how poor help is in, in, in Britain yeah, we didn't know what PTSD was, mm. but the film Rambo, he was suffering from PTSD, and I think it's mentioned in the film. Yeah, First Blood. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that shows you how poor this country is. So my life was then unbearable, but I carried on serving. I lived behind a mask. I was known as a character, a comedian. I still am. Mm. No one sees me crying my eyes out still now mm. at night. The, thinking about coming here today and talking about this, I started reliving it. I can smell, I can smell what happened that day. Mm. Not now, but there's times I sit home and I can smell as if I am there. They don't tell you that about PTSD. No. It, 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 there's loads of it, not just reliving or the instant. It affects you in so many ways. So anyway, I carried on and uh, I was I got I was posted to, to Kuwait. And whilst I was in Kuwait, there was an instant there. And uh, uh, they called me lucky, by the way. <laughs> there was an instant there that I ended up in hospital. Uh, I was almost well, I was crippled really. And um lo and behold. I went to a, a physical hospital and the, the lady said, right, we're going to do this thing called a DSMI 
three or four or whatever it's called. Uh, it's a medic. It's a mental health thing because I want you all to be honest. And if you score more than fifteen, you're a nutter. This is how the military <laughs> banter it. <laughs> anyway, she's calling all out these scores, and she goes, uh, "She goes, I scored thirty nine anyway, <laughs> and it was out of forty. So I got sent to a psychiatric hospital, uh, and locked up with mentally ill people. Yeah, nothing to do with PTSD. There was people there who thought they were Napoleon. There was self-harmers. There was people there. Who, and I was in there for months on end. I'd never heard, like you said, about the word PTSD. And one day I was in this uh, uh, consultant's office and he, he said, hang on, I've just got to go out here a minute. And like a bit crafty, I looked down, turned his, my notes around and I saw the word PTSD. Right. So I turned it back around and I thought, what was wrong? And eventually I got discharged because my top, my service had finished. I was halfway through getting treated and I said, do I come back next week then, sir? Because I'm a civilian, that's from midnight on Tuesday. He said, oh, no, I can't treat you anymore then. So my, my treatment just stopped. So I went back to my sanctuary and lived in that sanctuary for weeks on end. I went 27 days without seeing another human being and I, I always think of that film uh, where he talks to his, the American fellow who talks to his football. Oh, yeah. You know, um, Castaway. Yeah, Tom, the Tom Hanks yeah. Castaway, yeah. I, I just, I didn't have a wash, didn't have a, I just, you know, I was a tramp. Yeah. Luckily, my brother-in-law come round and, and really ripped into me. And that was it. I went to get help. And a fellow there said, you need to go to Combat Stress. Yeah. Which saved me. And um, thank God for them. They're, 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 they're a charity. They were sponsored by them, uh, 50% sponsored by the NHS, not anymore. Yeah. And worst of all is there is no in, uh, military hospitals now in the United Kingdom anywhere for British soldiers. For the nurses at Combat Stress, they, they learn from the Australians. Right. I think that's shocking. Yeah. We should be the leaders. We have the second most troops in nearly every conflict there has been. Yet we have to go to Australia. That hasn't got the population of London to learn lessons how to deal with the result of this. Let me ask you how you think the British military, like the powers that be, see soldiers. Like... What I'm saying is, does it does it make any sense for them to invest in helping you post conflict? I mean, does it what what's in it for them? I know it sounds brutal, but do you think that they have that sort of heartless perception of the people of the actual soldiers? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, if you've got peaches, you can't carry on soldiering. Mm. You're a danger. I wouldn't want to work alongside anybody. I volunteered twice to go to uh, Lithuania, mm. and I, I I got turned down twice. I went wrote to the embassy in that, and I understand it. I wouldn't want to stand next to someone like me with a rifle. <laughs> you know, uh, if someone pisses me off, that's it. You got to be reliable, steady, Eddie. So there's no in, there's no point them investing in 
making people with PTSD any better because you can't stop what people dream about. Yeah. You know, the sick ones, when I was serving, if you had any limbs missing, you couldn't carry on serving. But anything else, I mean, that's how they, they do invest, don't they? Because people with limbs missing now can carry on serving. But I'd like to see a PTSD person still serving. So it's almost like they think, well, we can't fix them, so yeah. there's no point in us. It's, you're, you're throw, we're throwing good money after bad here. Yeah? Exactly. So you get thrown by the wayside. Yeah. I, I've got another question, which is before, when you first joined the military, before you, you know, you're out, you know, serving in, in actual conflicts, is there any preparation whatsoever for you mentally? So you're a, you're effectively a kid, right? People sign up at 16 or whatever. And, and is there any system in place where people say, these are the sort of things that you might have to see. These are the things you might have to do. It's going to have an impact on you, preparing you mentally. Was that done? Well, actually, uh, I have been where it has been done. There was a film of real uh, injuries mm. made by an Americans. It's all American injuries, you know, mm. and that's more to emphasize that a rifle isn't a toy, you know, it's, and uh, it, it does do damage. Mm. So you now, when you get handed this rifle, lads or lasses, there weren't no women in my, my regiment. When you get handed this rifle, this is what it can do. So don't fuck about with it. Mm emphasize that it's a killing thing yeah uh apart from that i can never remember anything no uh you get more when you go on to a theater conflict or a separate country you get more information about what the local brasses have got wrong with them mm. what the local snakes are what the local what wildlife hazards are yeah you know? uh Well, Bosnia, we got shown a film of how 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 evil all the sides were, as yeah. in um, some of the executions and stuff like that. Yeah, but that might be more to do with uh, you ain't gonna get you don't want to get captured. Whatever happens, but you yeah. can't help it if a brick falls on your head and knocks you out. You're done, ain't you? So yeah. that was the only thing that you might. You know, this is what these bastards are doing to each other. So you're going in amongst these lot. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
And you know, you, you talk about how you were you were very able to hide it, right? To hide the way you were feeling and the condition that you're suffering from. Yeah. And I public, think that yeah. yeah, in public. And and that was why you carried on serving. So presumably there's a lot of blokes who do that. There's a lot of soldiers who just hide it because it's natural for men to hide their feelings like that because they're ashamed or they don't want to look vulnerable. But what that means is you do get lots of people who are suffering from PTSD, therefore very volatile, potentially dangerous, who are serving in the military because they're just hiding their condition and the military themselves aren't asking or investigating. So rather than I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking rather than them saying, right, if you saw everything you didn't like, go in that door, they should be like actually insisting that everyone sits down and has some sort of chat afterwards so they can establish who might be a threat. <clears throat> yeah, def- 100%. 100%. Um, um, one of the uh, senior fellas at um, Combat Stress, he used to like debrief and brief um pilots you know they might be dropping some nasty weapons on some people so we could all if pilots get it which is a massive investment in it to train a pilot we should all get it Mm. we should all get it you know all right there was a firefight last night we don't know we know don't know who killed who but we do know some of you's like yeah your your shots hit hit home Mm. but let's just chat about it you know, how do you feel? One on one, do that or something. You know, mm. something should happen. Uh, you don't want everyone to be mamby pamby or anything like that because it's a reality. But you can't help PTSD. Mm. I didn't ask for it. I was a tough. I was a tough nut. I was, mm. and I didn't ask for it. I can't help what I what I dream about. Mm. People, my family, who I fell out with, you know, come on, put yourself together. Look what you, you know, you're an art man. Good, supposed to do this, supposed to do that. Right, and stop my dreams. Tell mm. me how I stop my dreams. Tell me how I wake up and I can smell that I was there still. Tell me how I don't know. I'm talking to you now, Sam, yeah? On another day, I could be back where, where it all occurred as real as I'm talking to you now. Mm. Now, them lads, if they're serving and, and they've got that rifle in their hand and at that moment they're thinking this is going on again, when a kid throws a firework over the fence, he is going to pull the trigger. Isn't he? I, what's scary is, is that on the one hand you think, well, they're not investing in these people because they think once they're broken in the, in the mind, then they have no use to us anymore. But they're sending these people back onto Civvy Street. Yeah. And people, from what you're saying, people with PTSD living on Civvy Street who've had all the structure of the military life taken away from them, but also have this trauma, they're a threat to themselves and others, aren't they? Yeah, massively, massively. More so, I, I know the other bit, but more so themselves. Mm. Because of the military training, they are in itself, you know, regimented. Yeah, but not everyone's the same, and so yeah. Since I know that since the Falklands, more people have died by their own hand, more veterans than actually died in the war. That's right. quite common common knowledge. Uh, Northern Ireland is catching up. Yeah, uh, 
you know, God, because of the cutbacks, I, I don't know about these lads are in now, you know, coming back from Afghan and all that lot. Yeah. That they fought a terrorist war and terror or terrorist is comes from terrorizing. Yeah. And you can be steady as you want at the time and see something that terrorizes you. And I think there's like an incubation period for PTSD. I don't, I'm not sure, but you know, that, that terrorism, that terrorism, that terrorist, sorry, that terror will come back and haunt them lads. And they might be, walking down the street, hearing Arabic accent. Are they racist or are they flashbacking? Yeah. The problem is that can be used and abuse that excuse. Yeah. So yet again, the innocent will suffer. Ah, oh, fuck him. All right, he might be an ex-soldier. He's just saying that. You know, yeah. I haven't had that happen to me or anything, but, you know, um, when I was convinced people were <laughs> these, the, the, Arkans Tigers were trying to get to me mm. to kill me. Um, you know, anyone with a European accent, I was ready. I would strike first. I was ready yeah. to strike first. And uh, I don't travel anywhere on my own, really. So I'm luckily lucky like that, that people, it's called grounding, isn't it, when you got people ground me. But if I'd have gone on with me, me self-isolation, I wouldn't have people to ground me. You know, I'd lost my family. None of my family wanted to talk to me. Um, Ex-wife, kids, because of the arsehole I'd been. Mm. So I, that, was that when you say that? Was that because of your anger? Was it anger yeah. was the chief problem? Yeah. Uh, yeah, grumpy old man, but I wasn't an old man. I was just mm. grumpy. Uh, um, the anger of PTSD, which is, I don't know how many people know that that is part of it. Well, I'm interested to know that, you know, now listening to you talk today so eloquently and with such insight to yourself and your condition, clearly you have got to grips with it. And is that as the result of any particular treatment? What what has helped you? Uh, 20 years almost of help or treatment at combat stress in um, Surrey. Right. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic uh, they have saved my life. They have saved my life. And, um, and they have saved other people's lives as well, a lot of military veterans. But they, they, they also fail sometimes, you know. Mm. Um, 16 people I knew uh, in one 12-month period took their own lives. Right. So... That's the combat stress and other places, you know. Um, why why the NHS withdrew that help, I don't know, you know. They almost went bust. Uh, they had 32 rooms there to help, you know, beds. And uh, I think it's like six or seven. I don't know. I can't, you know. But the last time I spoke, that there was nobody there. Mm. COVID, obviously stopped what happened to ptsd when covid stopped the the treatment didn't mm. stop the nightmares didn't stop the reliving didn't stop the hatred didn't stop the the self-harming you know in many ways a lot a lot of veterans you know it's a it's a man's thing yeah let's all go up on the piss you know 
and they self-arm like that. I'm, I'm myself, I, I haven't had a drink for five and a half months because I've damaged my liver. Right. <laughs> it's, what, what, you know, at, um, yeah, combat stress. What 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 have they done for you there? Is that about speech? Is that about talking therapy and sharing yeah, mainly? Yeah, group therapies, yeah. which is fantastic. Talking therapy, obviously, yeah. The art therapy, which is something I, I've... Uh, you, you looking at me now, can you believe I've had a, a, a painting on the... Um, at the Royal Mall, displayed at the Royal Mall. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not a painter. I can yeah. paint my numbers, but I can't count over five. <laughs> I have honestly had that. I've had poems, yeah, um, in art galleries, poems about what happened to me and all that lot. And I'm not artistic, yeah. Because it comes from this is unofficial now, Sam. Obviously, mm. I believe people with damaged heads become artistic, express it in another mm. way. Mm. I mean, I never told anybody what happened to me in Bosnia because, like I said. I had the bullying to hide behind, and then I had the 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 incident in Kuwait with the vehicles. Mm. I hid behind that, and it wasn't until a long while afterwards I wrote a poem in ten minutes, and it told the story of what happened to me. Wow! The first time I admitted it, and I needed that help, that artistic. It's called art therapy. Yeah. That. Yeah. All these lads, of course, they're all, we're all sweat out. They're all, you know, airy ass, bloody. Yeah. Waffle monkeys, you know, and oh, I ain't doing that. Yeah. You can see people, they cry their eyes out because it's so emotive. Fantastic. Yeah. And to go on a little bit, what you asked me earlier, do you know, I, I've, I've taken an interest in helping uh, people with PTSD. And I, and I love it because when I went to combat stress first, there was Second World War victims. Uh, veterans there. Wow. When I left, there was Afghan lads coming in. Yeah. And I just used all these things, what I'd picked up over the years, you know, and um, and I still like doing that. I still yeah. really like doing that. Anybody with PTSD, but, you know, it it makes, it's, it's, it's nice to be nice, you know? Yeah. Nice to be nice. And, and um. Yeah, obviously you're not someone who is, um, you know, you, you don't you you feel comfortable with showing, you know, your more vulnerable side. But it must have taken you quite a few years to get to where you are now. But does does that is that helpful? Because it allows you to share and talk about the things that have affected you and harmed you. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I say this to every loads of people: the day I started recovering. Because you don't make it, you're never cured of PTSD, in my opinion, was the day I was honest. Mm. I hid behind this, I hid behind that. Mm. And it, it was brilliant because it, I didn't have to talk about this, this fucking burning pain inside my brain. Mm. I didn't have to talk about it. So it's great to go on. They were all real, you know, the, the vehicle thing, you know, uh, people could have died then easily. There was thousands of rounds of ammunition in the vehicle. The fella, well, he, he rammed us and he wanted his vehicle to blow up, you know, so, mm. you, know, you know what I'm saying? But I, that didn't worry me, that. The one thing, this this horrible thing will just never go. It will never go. And uh, the, 
So I started when the day I started being honest through getting close uh, bonding with my um, with my counsellors. That's the day I started getting better, and day I can uh, I could talk about it. I can. Can I just give you an example now? Yeah. Now, now uh, I don't know what the posh word is. How it in, intrudes in your life. Yeah. Um. The incident that happened. There was children. Let's put it that way. So I went to a wedding once, and I stood at this wedding, <clears throat> and I started crying my eyes out, and I had to get away because I was a big, you know, big boy, you know. So I had to get away, and I ended up sobbing my heart out. Shakes had all started, everything. And I started reliving. And that's because this is how your brain works. Wedding, marriage, children. Oh, children, just like that. Mm. And it went, like, all the gears all come into place. <laughs> uh, destroyed me. Destroyed me. Anything, you know, I watch cartoons. I can't watch the news. I hardly ever watch the news. Yeah. In case anything comes up. This Too is, many things that can trigger you. Yeah, over 20 odd years later, Sam. And um, you say that it will never leave you, like, you know, the the, the recall of, of what you saw. Mm. But have you learned tools on how to cope when you see it coming? They teach you, but I've not. It, I, I just self, self isolate again. I right. just go to bed, dry my eyes out, mm. and stay there for as long as possible. Which is horses for courses, I suppose. That's what's best for me. Just keep away from everybody as long as I can, because I'm not. A, I'm Victor Meldrew on some. You know, just keep away from me and leave me there. Dogs has been my best uh, help. Mm. Yeah. But. Uh, that you know that and I I always say that when I go to com when I used to go to combat stress, get a dog. You don't want to go outside. The dog dog wants to go outside. Yeah. You're getting tired because you dare not go to sleep at night at night and they someone comes in, in through the window or in the door. That dog will guard your house for you. Yeah. We'll call it in the military. So that dog will stag on. Yeah. You can get your bit your 40 winks, you know. Uh and and they give you love back. Plus they don't never can close their ears. They can't say, oh, fuck, I've had enough of you moaning. <laughs> you know? uh, and they never give the wrong answer either. They're just really good for PTSD. Yeah, it's a lovely yeah. thought that, yeah, that, that something like that can help so much. Yeah. Well, I've got Rottweilers, you know, and uh, they certainly help, mm. you know, at night. I can I can sleep at night knowing that they're, I've got two, two, you know, knowing that they're there, you know, big boys looking after... Me. So you've decided that you're going to put your experiences down in a book um, and particularly focus on, you know, the shortcomings of the British military when it comes to mental health and uh, PTSD. Um, tell me about why you've made that decision. I'll tell you why, because these people, as we're talking now, I would... But I know there'll be people from Northern Ireland, from the Falklands, from Bosnia, from all the conflicts. There'll still be victims of PTSD, call it victim, who daren't come out or whatever, you know. Mm. They need help. And if, if because of the nature of it, you're, uh, like I couldn't read books, 
Because mm. you shot, I, I suffered um, short-term memory loss, which is a, a, a trait of um, PTSD. But their family members might read a book and go, flipping hell, that sounds like Joe Bloggs. Oh, bloody hell, that's Uncle blah, blah. Mm. It might help them. One per, you know, save someone's lives. And if it, even if it isn't life or death, it's quality of life as well. Then men were prepped. I'm talking military now, sorry, just to go mm. to that. But then men were proud men. They were, they were uh, warriors, trained mm. warriors. They, you know, uh, why should they just rot away? Stuck in doors, rotting away with this burning thing inside them. Someone might read that book and go, I'm going to get him help, I am. I'm going to get him help. Or her, sorry, because I have, when I was in hospital, there's quite a few females in there as well. You know, him or her. And there's going to be more because there's, when I was serving, there was, they had nutty out, well, for want of a better word, nutty hospitals. Yeah. They ain't got none now. Yeah, yeah. So where if if it had happened now to me, if it was I was now, I would my only option is to kill myself. Would have been to kill myself. Because that would have been yeah. the only escape from the thoughts in your head. Yeah, because there's no hospitals, there's no who tells me I need to go to combat stress? Who tells me to look for help? Oh, well, you're not mad. So fuck off. We don't want you no more. You're a civvy. From yeah. that moment on, they wouldn't have even had that, would they? Because I think that's disgraceful. He was treating me. I was ha- If I was on the table, he saw my leg off. Well, I can't carry on now because you're fucking civvy now. Yeah. That'd be done. Yeah. But they're doing it. They're doing it. And I think you hit the nail on the head. We're no use to no one. I think we yeah. would be. If we was at war, they'd parachute us in and go, here's some weapons. Um, you're an arsehole. You're a fucking calling me an arsehole. And then you just go through shooting everything in sight, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Piss us off. But, yeah. uh, well, they'd sort of, they'd use your, your mental disorder yeah. for their own benefit. Yeah. Parachute is in and then, yeah. It's annoying before he lands and then he'll go nuts. He'll kill anything but he can get his hands on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's sickening, really, isn't it? It's like that, you know. They just uh, they use you, like you said, you did it out of a sense of patriotism in the first place. Yeah, and that's what I I assume loads of the lads in the army do it because they're doing it out of a sense of duty. And the reward they get is once you're finished and you're of no use, you're sort of thrown by the wayside. Yeah, are you ever saying, Sam? When they need you, they're all over you. Yeah, you need them. Forget it. See them, mm. and uh, uh, just uh, can I just go another one more little interesting sure. thing? This is how shit the veterans are treated. I've been going to that hospital for just under twenty years. Thirty odd beds, thirty odd blokes at a time. I used to go three times a year, <clears throat> and all that time, I never met one veteran whose pension was correct from the very beginning. You had to write away and say this, say that, say this. But in all that time, all them pensions that were wrong, not one was to the advantage of the vet- veteran. Now, that's fucking amazing, isn't it? Yeah. you think yeah. it'd be, oh, they paid me £100 too much. No, yeah. not one. Yeah. Not yeah. one. 
It was I was twenty pound. Uh, a bloke from the British Legion came round my house and he told me I was on twenty pound a week below the poverty rate. My first pension. But guess what I did? Nothing because I was stuck in my house in solitude, safety. Mm. And there's still blokes like that now. Mm. There will be still blokes somewhere in this country locked up, shitting themselves to go out that door. They'll have. I've met one, so I'm quoting from someone I know. He had uh, two pairs of tracksuit bottoms, one tracksuit top, and a microwave oven, and a, uh, a, a and a chair. That's all he had, and his and his the couch was flat. Mm. A fucking veteran, a pride proud man, and because he's got PTSD, he must have seen something terrible. So don't they need more help, not less help? Just don't dump them. And that I met that fella, and a real nice bloke. Once once he dropped his mask. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is extraordinary because that's a great phrase. What you're doing is encouraging people to drop their masks and show them that it's okay. You know, a tough bloke like you can do it. So, uh, you know, there's no shame in doing it. And once you do do it, like you say, once you start telling the truth, it's it's like a weight off your shoulder and things get better. Yeah. So... I think it's a very brave thing you've done. You said that to me. You give me a shiver down my back. Yeah. Because I don't realise it, think of it like that. I'm just trying to want to help people. But it yeah. is, it's a magic thing. I still get it. You know, I still have me dreams and shit like that. But it just, it's nice to be nice. If you can help someone, it's brilliant. It's like a therapy in itself, isn't it? I mean, in addiction recovery, the 12th step is to like, you know, go and give back what you've learned. Go and give to others, and that's it. And and that in itself, it seems like a selfish act, but it's also in some ways it's selfish because it's like it's doing you good as well yeah. as other people. It's like therapy in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, like I'd say, if there's anyone listening now, I'd say, yeah. Uh, I think I'm an hard. Well, that's wrong. I used to be an hard man, either with my fists or with a rifle, whatever. You know, I used to be. I'm not now, too old now, plus I'm not anyway. Go and get help. Go and try and get help, you know? And uh, there's phone calls can be made, and that's it. Two things I would would say, get a dog and support West Ham United. You'll never go wrong. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with the first one, but I can tell you this, support West Ham United's brought me almost nothing for stress, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do end up suicidal every season, aren't Yeah, exactly. It's the last thing people need. <laughs> right, um, listen, uh, Soldier T, it's, it's fascinating talking to you. It's inspiring too, the, the way in which you're able to be so open, the way in which you've sort of recovered from such a... a, a a low in your life and and that you're now putting so much energy into helping other people and I think it's amazing that you're spreading this word and inspiring other people Um, and I hope that this has helped people who are listening I'm sure it has and we will look out keenly for the book when it comes out next year I hope and hopefully have you back then you're a star Sam that was Soldier T a tough man who's been through so much, but who's managed to survive and recover by tapping into his vulnerable side. A lesson there for all of us. If you're suffering from PTSD or any sort of mental health struggle as a result of serving in the armed forces, you can get help at combatstress.org.uk. 
And if you don't already subscribe to The Reset, then visit samdelaney.substack.com for the full archive of these podcasts and a load of other content, including my free weekly mental health newsletter. And for a fiver a month, you could upgrade to The Reset Extra to help support this project and get access to a ton of extra exclusive content too. Anyway, thanks for listening, gang. Be lucky. And until next time, don't let the dickheads get you down. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.